The scripture comes from the book of 1 John, uh, chapter 5. If you have a word, copy of God's word, go ahead and turn there because this is going to kind of be our, our basis or our foundation for, for what I'm going to share with you this morning concerning the power of testimony, the power of testimony. So in 1 John chapter 5, we're gonna, I'm going to read verses 4 through 13 this morning just to kind of get us some reference and we'll go into the message together. So for those of you who end up showing up late to miss the singing over the first couple of songs and you come in late, you, you might miss something this morning, um, but we're going we're gonna to dive in together. You ready? 1 John 5, verse 4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Verse 6, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has born concerning the Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. That's very key. Hold on to that verse. Verse 10, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has born concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Amen. Now, in that passage of Scripture, the Apostle John uses that word testimony, I believe it's eight different times, whether testify or testimony is used nearly eight different times. And so it begs the question this morning, what is a testimony? What is a testimony? Now, to answer that question, I want to kind of go through a little bit of what we see in Scripture concerning this idea of testimony, and then we're going to get real personal this morning. I'm going to share my testimony, and we're going to point you to what uh, is most important, I think, this morning is how are you able to develop your testimony and the power that you have in your testimony this morning. So to understand the essence of testimony, everything begins and ends with God. Okay, to understand what is a testimony, we have to understand everything begins and ends with God. As a matter of fact, when you, when you look at your Bibles itself, you have an old what? Testament, and you have a new testament. Okay, that word in and of itself, the testament, is the testimony of God. And so I want you to think about this idea of testimony in the perspective and the understanding that God has, has written a story. It's God's story. From beginning to end, he, he's authored it, he's, he's written it, he is uh, carrying out his story in, in, in the course of human events. And so everything that, that has to do with our testimony, your testimony, has to do with God, and it begins and ends with God. And this is what's so beautiful about how God works, is that God has written the greatest story that's ever been told. The best stories that have ever been told are always true stories, in my opinion. Nothing outdo, nothing outdoes, nothing outdoes. How you like that? Nothing outdoes true stories. And God has written the best and the truest story that's ever been told. And here's what's so beautiful about the way that God invites you and wants to call us to be involved in his story. So, so that every individual story 
that you, you can look at it from the scriptural point of, point of view. When you look at people like Abraham and Moses and David and the life of Jesus and the apostles, you know, their stories are intricately woven into and worked into God's story. But it doesn't stop with them. It also involves your story and my story. So if you're here today and you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, he's actually given you a story. He's given you a testimony. And he wants to take that story and he wants to work it, intertwine and interweave it within the greatest story that's ever been told, which is his story ultimately of redemption and how God has come to save all mankind through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, if you want to get real technical about the word testimony, we could almost look at it in terms of legal terms because it makes me think about a courtroom when you get up and you take the witness stand and you're asked to give a testimony. Most of the time, what's a, an attorney's going to ask you from a legal perspective, what have you seen or what have you heard or what have you experienced personally? And it's no different with you and me today with our story and our testimony. As a matter of fact, the word testimony and the word witness are, are, have, find their very same root word in the Greek. So when you think about Jesus, what did he tell the disciples in Acts chapter 1-8? He says, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even until the ends of the earth. What Jesus was telling his disciples, his apostles, he's saying, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to give your story. You're going to share the testimony of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that word witness and that word testimony have its root in this Greek word, martus. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It's where we get our English word, martyr, a martyr. So when you see the word witness in the scripture, you could basically replace it with the word martyr. Now we think of a martyr as someone who has died for the sake of Christ, right? And that very much has application because if you even think about the disciples themselves, almost every disciple except John that we know of ended up going to a martyr's death because of their testimony. They were witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ and they ended up giving up their very own lives. They died for the sake and the cause of the kingdom of Christ. And so there is a cost in many respects for us to share our testimony. And there's great power because the early church actually grew exponentially, largely in part because of the faithful witness of the disciples in the early church who were willing to die. They were willing to go to their death simply because they were telling the world what they had seen, what they had heard with their ears, what they had experienced in the life of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and his resurrection. And many of them lost their life. But you know what? The blood of the saints ended up being the fuel or the seed of the church as it began to grow and grow and grow. And so there was a power of that testimony in the early church that as people were giving their life and counting the cost to follow Jesus Christ, the church really began to grow. As a matter of fact, if you want to find out where the church is growing the most today in our world, where is it growing? It's growing in the most heavily persecuted areas of this world. Is it not? Did you know that? In some of our Muslim countries in the Middle East, in China, where Christianity has been all but tried to be extinguished, that underground church, that underground movement where it really cost people their lives and it cost them something to follow Jesus Christ, that's where the church is most alive right now because there's power in that faithful witness of God's people. Amen. So there is a cost. But, but today, I really, because that's not really the context of the United States of America, though, right now. Right now, at least in my experience, we're not really being... Oh, you know, overtly persecuted for the cause of Christ. We may be covertly persecuted or shunned or ostracized in, in different ways, but right now we still have freedom in this nation to serve and to follow and be witnesses for Jesus Christ for the most part. Do you agree? 
Okay, so, so what is our experience and what's the power of our testimony that's so very important and so very powerful um, as God's witnesses? Now, we all have this story to tell. And I want to start talking in terms of, of a story this morning when, when you think about your testimony is your story. And our stories primarily have three basic parts. Your story and my story primarily have three basic parts. Now, this is what, what begins to be interesting about our testimony. Our testimony, um, many, um, in many respects, we're going to share some of the same basic elements of a testimony. And especially when it comes to your salvation or your conversion. But the uniqueness about your testimony only applies to you. Each and every one of you have personal circumstances and personal things that, that you have experienced in your walk and your life with Jesus Christ that I haven't. And so there is always a unique aspect and element to your testimony, even though it's always going to kind of have three basic parts. The first part is my life before Jesus Christ. So I want you guys to, to go with me for just a minute. And I want, you to tell, I want to tell you about my life. Before Jesus Christ. Now, this is something I had to pray long and hard about because I am new. And anytime you begin to get personal and you begin to share testimony, guess what? There's a deep level of vulnerability when you start to really tell people about your life and who you were and who you are and the struggles you've had and, and, and the, you know, the valleys you've gone through and all those kind of things. But I'm just praying right now through the Holy Spirit that he will give me just a, enough uh, just the right words to share with you. Obviously, I can't get into everything about my testimony because we don't have enough time, but I'm going to try to give you the shortened version this morning. But as I'm sharing my story, okay, here's what I, I need and want you to do. I want you to be thinking about your story, okay? So everybody's life before Jesus really um, looks, the, you know, looks different. And so my life before Jesus started back in 1978 in Octibaha County. Now, can you spell Octibaha? I, I don't think I can spell it either, but it's a, it's, a, it's a county. If you know where Starfield, Mississippi is, it's over in kind of the a northeastern part of Mississippi, and, and it's the same county that Starfield, Mississippi is in. And I was born there in 1978. Matter of fact, November 22nd, it's coming up on my birthday. I'll be 39 years old, and that, that was the day that I was born there. I was the second of four children, born in Octibaha County. My, my parents were... Um, had been living in Columbus, Mississippi at the time. And very shortly thereafter, I, we moved to Senatobia, Mississippi down there. My mother was a nursing instructor, and she began, uh, she got a teaching job down at Northwest Community College in Senatobia. So our family moved there, and we ended up in a home right there, right outside of Senatobia. And that was the only home that I ever knew growing up. We never, we didn't move from that point forward. And again, as I said, I was the second of four children. I had an older brother. I had two younger sisters, still have. And, you know, some of the things I will share with you about my, my early childhood, my life before Christ, is that I grew up in a home where I have very overwhelmingly, I associate feelings of love and security and safety with my home life. You know, I didn't come from some crazy abusive background. My parents loved and they loved us and they loved their children. They loved each other. Uh, I think love was, was a very good word to kind of personify what kind of experience I had as, as, a, as a young child. I remember my parents laying a foundation for me, for, for my relationship with the Lord. Uh, we weren't just like super faithful to church. We kind of bounced around many different churches growing up. But, but you know what? I do think about some of my experiences in church life. And some of my, my best uh, memories of being a little child was like in children's church, singing songs like Father Abraham had many sons. Anybody remember that one? Or I'm in the Lord's army. 
Yes, sir. You know, right foot, left foot. And, and thinking about some of these earliest memories. And I don't remember everything that the, that the children's uh, teachers were teaching me when I was a little child. But you know what I associate with my memories as a child? I associate love and I associate safety. And I have happy thoughts and happy feelings about that time in my life when I was a little kid, when our parents did take me to church and, and I was exposed to kind of things. And I want to say that to say this. Some of you out here are teaching children right now, aren't you? And some of you are wondering, are you making a difference? Let me tell you something. You're making a difference. If you're taking time to invest in our children, and you're taking time to pour into our little kids back here, you, they may not remember a word that you teach, but if you love them and they feel safe around you, let me tell you something. You're making a difference in their testimony, Amen. in their story. So I want to encourage you that. Some of you parents right here today, you may think I'm really blowing it as a parent. I just don't know if I'm doing enough for my kids. Let me tell you something. My parents didn't break out the Bible every night and we had a Bible study. I can't say that they did that, but they loved me. They loved their children and they did expose me to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they did lead us spiritually to some extent. And they could have done better just like all of us could have done better. But parents today, I want to encourage you. You're making a difference. So continue to do that. Continue to be faithful in how you love your children and, and how you lead them in the Lord. It does make a difference. Now, having said that, as I grew up, my parents were really, really good on love. Really, really good. You know what they were kind of bad on? Discipline. So do you know as a parent, you got to have what? You got to have love, but you also have to have what? You got to have discipline. So if my parents, you know, if my parents did fail in one area of my, my young life, it was that we had a lot of love, but not so much the discipline. And so therefore, as a young child, I had way too much freedom. I had way, I didn't have enough boundaries set in my life. And guys, that became a very big problem because things like this would happen. At six years old, I was exposed to pornography for the very first time as a little big kid, which was something that become part of my early childhood and into my adolescent life pretty regularly. Think about that for a second. How many of you have children that are young like that, six, six years old? My whole view of women and sexuality, just destroyed, completely destroyed. The devil used that and continued to use that in my life. Things like that, being exposed to things like that, which I don't even know if my parents were aware of it, but it was real and it was hard and it was devastating. And then as I got a little bit older and my father worked out of town and my mother was doing the best that she can to, to kind of keep up with four kids and she would go to sleep at 8 o'clock at night. And guess what? When I got my driver's license, y'all, I was gone. I, there would be nights when we were out doing things, ungodly things that you couldn't imagine a 15, 16-year-old doing and I had no business doing. And guess what? My mother never even had a clue what was going on. She's just doing the best that she can. And I look back on those times of my life. And let me tell you something about my childhood. I, I played the part very, very well. I was a straight-A student. I was a star athlete. I was a popular kid in school. If you looked at me from the outside looking in, everybody would think, man, he's, he's got it all, man. He's, he's popular. He's, he's uh, you know, a great athlete. He's a great student, all these things. And, and, and really, on the inside, I was very insecure. I didn't really know who I was. And I was doing things that were way outside the bounds of what God would have for me, getting into the party scene, being around things like drugs and alcohol, getting involved in those kind of things. And, and you can only imagine that, that from the outside, I kept up that front, but, but on the inside, guys, I was so lost. And I was so headed down the wrong path because I had too much freedom. That was one of the problems. I, there were no boundaries in my life. 
And so you can kind of imagine that, you know, as a 15, as a 16, as a 17-year-old young man, adolescent, guys, I was headed in the wrong direction. This was my life before Jesus Christ. Now, thankfully, thankfully, again, I'm going to try to give you the shortened version, but thankfully, God intervened. He intervened in, in, a, in a very mighty way. And so what I want to do now is I, want, I kind of wanted to kind of lay that foundation for you to kind of give you a backdrop of what my life was like. And now we're going to sing another song because this is what happened. God had to come to me and he had to show me how much I need him. He had to show me how much I need him. So I'm going to ask Sam and Mark if they'll come back up. And we're going to sing a song that I think communicates that message very, very well before I go ahead and share with you the next part of my story. Sound good? God knew what I needed. And I want to... I wanna, be very thankful this morning for a man that God put into my life that helped me get to the point to understand my need for Christ. So the second part of a testimony, the second part of your story, you, you all have a life before Christ if you know Jesus. You should. And then you have to understand there came a point in place in time when you came to understand that you had a need for a Savior. You, you understood your sinfulness before God. And part of this part right here, how, I can't, how we come to know Jesus Christ personally, it always involves that aspect of how did I know I need a Savior to begin with? And thankfully, God put somebody in my life, and, and this, this man um, was like a big brother to me. He was, he, I have an older brother, uh, Jason, and this, and this guy, Jason, he, he, his name was Jason as well, and he was like a, a big brother to me. He was one of my, my heroes, and if you knew him in, in his high school uh, days, when I knew him and I really looked up to him, let me tell you something, he was not leading me in the right direction at all. But God got a hold of this young man's life. His name is Jason Hardage. And God got a hold of his life, and he was drastically changed. Like, like, we didn't know who he was anymore. And it was right around the time his mother had passed away, and God just really did a great work in his life. And he came to know Jesus, and he was a completely different person, and, and he was on fire for the Lord. How many of you know those kind of people when you just get saved, and, and you just you got to tell everybody that you know about this Jesus? And that's the way we should be. I mean, we should have that zeal, I think. But he, he was on fire. He had that zeal. And, and I'll never forget, I was at home one day. I was about 17 years old. I was at my house. Uh, I think I was there by myself for some random reason. And here comes Jason down the driveway. And he comes in the house. It's like my big brother now. And he sits down. And I had seen the, the transformation in his life. And, and listen, he used those great evangelism explosive questions, EE questions, to penetrate my heart. And if those of you don't know what those questions are, he asked me this. He said, Marcus, he said, if you were to die today, he said, do you think you would go to heaven? And I said, absolutely. Because I'm a good kid, right? I'm a straight-A student. I, I've never really done anything too, super terrible, liar. But, but I, I was like, absolutely. But then he asked me the follow-up question. He said, he said okay, Marcus, do you think you would go to heaven? He said, how do you know? If God were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? Why? This is the big question. Why should I let you into heaven? What qualifies you to go to heaven? You know what? I immediately responded this. Because I'm a good person. I, without even hesitation, I said, I would go to heaven because I'm a good person. Wow. And God used that conversation because you know what Jason did? He didn't, he didn't judge me. He didn't argue with me. He just said, well, hey, do you mind if I share with you what the Bible says about us and how we get to heaven? And I said, sure. You know, this stuff I'd heard my whole life, right? And he began to share me verses like, well, there's none righteous, no 
not even one, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he began to share with me the gospel, the good news, which is the bad news at first, because we got to know how bad and sinful we are before we can understand our need for a Savior again. And God used this man. He used Jason in my life. And I didn't get saved right that minute. But what he did is that he planted seeds of the truth of the gospel in my heart. And this is what happened to me. It sent me on a journey of pursuit. And I said, he challenged everything that I thought about myself. He challenged me to the point where I really was scared. I really began to doubt, wait a minute, I'm really not a good person. If I'm counting and trusting and relying on myself and my goodness to get me to heaven, then I'm, I'm in bad shape. I'm in big trouble. Let me show you a couple pictures. That's, that's my friend Jason. He's about 6'4", big guy. That's his, that's his beautiful family. Um, let's show the next one. That's us. Most recently, he came to our house. Um, well, maybe not most recently, but a pretty recent picture with his crew and my crew. Jason right now, just, just to give you a little side story, he and his family are serving in Southeast Asia, northern India, as full-time missionaries right now. And God is using them to tell their story to a bunch of people who've never heard about Jesus so that they can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and he can interweave and intertwine all their stories into his story as well. Isn't that good? Isn't that awesome? So that, that guy right there in the middle, the tall guy, Jason Hart, he just took a minute, guys. And let me just, I, the reason I want to share this with you is because it's so important that sometimes we have somebody on our heart or we don't think how they're going to receive it. Or, but if you're feeling that sensitivity and that conviction of the Holy Spirit, that there's somebody that you need to sit down to. And let, me, and let me tell you something that's also important about this real quick is that we had a relationship. And I think that, that that's important because it is very difficult to go up to a perfect stranger who doesn't know you and you don't know them and then you're automatically kind of shoving your, your beliefs upon them. But what was important about why, did Jay, why was I so receptive to what Jason had to say that day? Because we had a what? We had a relationship. We had history. And matter of fact, I looked up to him. So that was a big thing as well. And so God used that in my life to show me my need for Jesus Christ. And I went to this investigation, and I started searching the scriptures, and I started reading the Gospel of John, and I started looking at Jesus and the things that he had to say. And God brought me to the place upstairs in my bedroom one day, the summer before my senior year of high school, 17-year-old kid, by myself. I didn't have anybody lead me or anything like that. It was the Holy Spirit of God, the truth of the Gospel, and God brought me to a place of salvation. I was saved. There's no doubt about it. And give God the glory. Now, here's the thing I want you to think about. What was, that, what was that like for you? What was your life like before Christ? But more importantly, how did you come to know Christ? What were the events and the circumstances surrounding your salvation and your conversion? And I think it's important that we know that. I'm going to share a little bit of that with you later. But think about that as we sing this next song. How about that? So guys, come on up. I was saved. My life just got all better and all my problems went away and that's the end of the story. You can go home now. Right? Isn't that how it happens to you? Goodness, no. Goodness. So, that song really, the reason I wanted to do that song, God, that song, God used that song in my life in a real uh, instrumental time of my life because no, my, my life didn't become perfect and all my problems didn't go away when I came to know Jesus. Um, my life before Christ, how I came to know Christ, and, and in every testimony should be able to say, well, how, how my life has been changed by Jesus Christ. And, I, and I'll, I'll tell you this, initially, 
there should be some change, and there was some change. You know, God began to, he began to work out some desires, um, you know, getting rid of some of the carnal, worldly desires that kind of dominated my life, that life of sin that I was really um, completely living in, and, and he began to bring conviction. You know, when you come to know Jesus Christ, there should, there should start to be conviction for sin, where things that used to not bother you, all of a sudden you're like, what is this? Why, why do I not feel good about this anymore? How can I just continue to, to not do this without feeling bad? And that's that Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit, he is bringing conviction. And, and I began to have a desire for his word like I never had before. Matter of fact, I understood his word. You know, before we know Jesus, before the Holy Spirit of God is indwelling in us, uh, I couldn't understand the Bible. Anybody else share that, that sentiment? You know, you're, you're trying to read the Bible as a lost person and it doesn't make any sense because the author's not living inside of you. But after I came to know Jesus... Some things did change, and I, I did experience some of these changes, saw some fruit in my life. But guys, part of my testimony is that I still was so much, so very much entrapped and in love with the world that I didn't really get on the right track initially, and partly because I don't think I had anybody really pouring into me and discipling me and holding me accountable and teaching me what it really means to be a Christian. And so I kind of wandered for about 10 years, to be honest with you. Sad to say that from the time I was saved at about 17 to the time that God did a, a, another kind of great work in my life and my testimony when I was about 28 years old, I just kind of, I just tried to figure it out by myself. And I didn't have, again, the, the accountability and the discipleship um, that, I, that was necessary in my um, life. And I, I began to compromise what I knew to be good and true, and I began to make little compromises in my life, um, one after another, you know. Uh, what's, what's the Casting Crown song that families never crumble in a day? People never crumble in a day, right? You, what is it? It's usually little what? Just little compromises. You know, you begin to accept this and think that this is okay, and you compromise your convictions, you compromise your faith, and before you know you look up and you're a long way away from where you should be. And that, that's, that's kind of where I was. I, I remember I wasn't leading my family. I wasn't loving my wife. I wasn't leading my children well. We were going to church as a family, but my, I, I mean, I was, my, my spiritual life was dead. I wasn't praying. I wasn't studying the Word of God. I was just completely um, just in love with the world, in love with myself. And you say, how can a Christian be that way? Well, because I was not filled with the Holy Spirit. I was living in unconfessed sin. I was, I was quenching the Holy Spirit in my life. I, I was grieving Him in my life. And I allowed uh, these things to continue to happen, these compromises, until I look up one day and I almost lost everything. I almost lost my family. I, I lost my witness. I mean, I, I put the name of Jesus to, to shame. I was a disgrace to people that knew me. I mean, I almost lost everything through that time. And it was through that time that I was sweetly broken. Amen. Now, if you're here today, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you get there. Sometimes you're broken because other people have done something to you. Sometimes you're broken because of something you've chosen to do and, and the sin that you've allowed into your life. And God has to take that, and he has to break us. He has to, he has to bring This is the best way I can understand it. He, bring, he brought me to the end of myself. Amen. And that's a hard, hard place to be, but it's a very, very good place to be. You, it really is. I was sweetly broken. And, and in the midst of all of that, in the midst of that very difficult time in my family, I look back and God sustained us and he restored us and he, he carried us through it and he brought us through it. But here's the thing. God gave me a verse. And I'm one of these guys that, yeah, I have a life verse. Some of you may have a life verse. Some of you may not. But, but God gave me a verse because this is, the, this is kind of the, um, I don't know, the, this hinges my testimony, I think, in a lot of ways. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. 
And it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And look, this is what Paul says. He says, in the life that I now live in this body in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Let me tell you all what God did when he broke me. I always was that kid that said, I'm going to do great things for God one day. I can remember saying that even before I was saved. I thought, in my mind, I said, I'm going to do great things for God one day. I wanted to do great things for God. Remember, I was raised in a Christian home. I mean, I had, a, I had an idea of God. I had an idea of what I thought being a Christian was. And I said, I'm going to do great things for God one day. And this is what happened. God brought me to an end of myself. And he said, son, I don't need you. I don't need you to do anything for me. I've got this. But as I was at that place, at the bottom of the barrel, he said, but if you will let me, I love you, and if you will allow me, he said, I will do great things through you. Can y'all see the difference? It's a very subtle difference, but it's a difference. I'm going to do great things for God one day. What's the focus? It's on me. And, And I ended up flat on my face. And God picked me up, and he, and, he, and he embraced me, and he loved me, and he restored me, and he forgave me. And he said, he said, I don't need you to do anything for me. But if you will let me, and you'll stay humble, I will do great things through you. And, and here I am. And part of my testimony is, is, you know, after that time, God put us in a church. Thank God for our church family. Let me tell you something. Y'all need to thank God for your church family. It's so important that you have people in your life that are investing in you and they're pouring into you. I had men come around, around, alongside me and around me and they began to teach me about accountability and how to love my family and how to lead my family and how to walk with Jesus. And those were formidable years in my life. And it was really after about a year of being in that kind of a culture and that kind of a discipleship culture that God called me into ministry. And, I, and I, I eventually surrendered my life into the ministry and went to seminary school. And then, you know, out of, out of the depths and out of the brokenness, out of the ashes, God made something beautiful. Isn't that a great story? And that's just my story. And, and he began to do that in my life. And, and here I am now, you know, serving Christ Church as your pastor. And I just, uh, the reason I wanted to spend this time sharing that that abbreviated testimony, that abbreviated story with you is because, listen, let me tell you something. There's power in your testimony. Let me say that again. You have a story if you know Jesus. And there's power in that. Now remember, uh, we talked about the power of martyrs giving their life for Christ, but there's so many other benefits. There's so many other benefits about your testimony and your story this morning. And here's the, here's the most beautiful thing about your testimony is that, yeah, we do talk about our life before Christ. We do talk about how we came to know Jesus. And we talk about how our life's been changed by Jesus. And our life should continually be being changed by Jesus. You see, the, the, the salvation part and coming to know Jesus is not the end of the story, is it? Because he's constantly and continually adding on to your story and to my story. And so this is the beautiful part about how we share our testimony and how beneficial it is for us to know each other's story. There's so many benefits. And I just want to share a couple of benefits this morning before we sing our last song. I want to share a couple of benefits. And and it comes um, from Revelation 12 where Jesus gave this revelation to John, and I want to share with you what he says. He said, 
Revelation 12.10, he said, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Now look at what it says in verse 11. And they have conquered him. Who? The devil. Who's they? God's people. It says God's people have conquered the devil by two things. By the blood of the lamb, the cross, and by the power and the word of their what? Of their testimony. Now, this is the picture of the last days when the devil is going to be unleashed and all the satanic powers of evil are going to be working against God's people. And, and what I'm reading in this is that we've got to hold on to the gospel, the, the power of the blood of the Lamb, the cross, but also we will overcome the evil one by sharing the word of our testimony. Amen. There's power in that. So here's some takeaways. And I want you to, if you have a pen, pencil, or whatever, write some stuff down if you need to. It's very, very important. As we kind of, this is your application time, okay? Number one, I want you to take time to think through and write down your salvation experience or your testimony. And, and along with that, you might want to write outside, maybe it's time to start keeping a journal. Maybe it's time to start keeping a journal. Because, again, you need to know the, the events surrounding your life before Christ, how you came to know Jesus and how Jesus has changed your life, and that should be part of your salvation's testimony. And then what's the journal for? The journal is there because he's adding to your story every single what? Every single day. And so as you journal and you, you talk about, well, this is what God did for me today. This is how God helped me overcome something today. This is what God showed me today. That's your story. That's your t it just continues to go on and on and on and on. It helps you remember and affirm God's saving work in your life. Some of you today in, here, in this room, you're doubting your salvation. You're, you're having doubts right now. Am I, do I even know Jesus? Do I know if I'm saved? I don't really know if I'm saved. Some of you are doubting that. You know what? There is power in writing it down because you can always go back. And I'm not saying that that's what makes you saved because Jesus should be in you right now. You should, you should have evidence of the life of Christ in you today. It's not something that necessarily just happened years ago. But there is power and there is assurance and affirmation in going back and saying, wait a minute, devil. You're lying to me because I know what happened to me when I was saved. I know when I came to put my trust in you. I know when you changed my life. And that helps us and that affirms us and that encourages us. Go to the next one. It helps you with assurance and doubts. Again, as I just said, this is an important one. Why should we write it down? It helps leave a written record and legacy of faith to your family that you leave behind. Think about this for a second. How many of you today, if you were to die today, how many of you of your family, your close friends and family members would know your story? When I die, I have a file on my computer. I have it written in several different places, but my, my kids or my wife, they can go to that file and they can open up that file and they can read how God changed my life. And that is such assurance and that is so comforting for us to know that's a legacy of faith that God did a work in my loved one's life and there's a legacy that's written down and I can tell that story and I can read that story and I can, I can um, celebrate that story. So if you've never written down your testimony, even if it's just for this reason alone, write it down, put it in an important place, keep it in a folder, keep it in a file, whatever you got to do, because it's an important legacy for your family. Very, very important. Now let's go to the next one. Your story, did you know this? Your story is your most effective witnessing tool. Some of you today, you, you may not feel equipped to lead somebody to come to know Jesus Christ or to introduce them to Jesus. 
You may not feel equipped to know all the scriptures you're supposed to know to, to walk them down the Roman road or whatever it may be, but you know what you have that nobody else has? You have your what? You have your story. And you know your story better than anybody else, and nobody else can deny your story because it's what you have experienced. And so this is going to be your greatest witnessing tool. And let me tell you how that is. Here's a great question you can, you can open up a spiritual conversation with. You know what? You can go to somebody else, and guess what you can ask them? So, hey, man, nice to meet you. Tell me your, so tell me your story. What's, what's, what's your story all about? Look, I'm not talking about an agenda. I'm not talking about trying to set them up so you can jump in and share the gospel. I'm talking about really be genuinely interested and listen to them and get to know them and find interest with them. Because they have a story too, and their story may not have anything to do with Jesus Christ. Understand that. But it opens up the door because if you, are, if you get people to share their story with you, guess what then? More than likely, they'll feel more comfortable to allow you to share your what? Your story with them. It might be right then or it may be later, however God leads you. Just start asking people, hey, well, so tell me your story. What, what's your life? You know, tell me about your life. Tell me about your family. Where'd you grow up? You know, those are simple questions, guys, just to get to know people. And then that allows us to witness to them through what Jesus has done in our life or what he's doing in our life right now. This is the most effective evangelism witnessing tool that you and I will ever have. Are we using it? Is the church using it? Am I using it? Not enough, I promise you. And finally, do you know how much I want to know your story? There's a lot of people in this church and I know some of you, and I've met a lot of you, but I don't really know you because I don't know your story. And you know how one of the greatest ways that we encourage each other and we, we edify the body of Christ is by telling each other our what? Our story. You should know the story of the person sitting next to you. You should know the story of your Sunday school teacher, of your small group leader. You should know the story of uh, the people in your church. And not only that, but we should be talking often about what God is doing in our life every single day. You know what that's called? In the, that's called fellowship. If we think about fellowship as when we go and fix a meal and eat something. That's not fellowship. You know what fellowship is? Fellowship is when you and I are talking about the things that God is doing or has done in our life. And you know what that does to the church? It builds my faith. Because when I hear about what God's done in your life, that encourages me and that edifies my faith. And when you hear about what God's, hopefully what you've heard about God's done, what he's done in my life, I hope it's encouraged you this morning. I hope it's given you faith that he can save an old prideful, sinful sinner like me. And has continued to use me. And again, this is the thing that we never forget. Our story continues to grow. Our story continues to grow. And here's the thing. Here's the overarching theme of all of it, guys. Remember, every testimony begins and ends with who? It begins and ends with God. And what God is trying to communicate to us and, and help us to truly get in our hearts is that He is faithful. Everybody say this with me. God is faithful. One more time. God is faithful. He is faithful. And that's part of what this whole story thing is all about, is that from beginning to end, he has proven himself over and over and over again that he is faithful. And there's so much that's yet to come, right? We have so much to look forward to, guys. 
And there are things that he has promised to do that he has not yet done. And we can, be, we can rest assured that he is faithful to do that which he has promised to do. That he is certainly faithful. And we're going to sing one more song this morning. And it's called Overcome. And if you, thought about, if you think about where we started in 1 John chapter 5, we talked about those who overcome are those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, our faith in Him, the testimony of God, that we shall overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Guys, we as a church, we need to overcome. We need to overcome. What are we trying to overcome? The world, your flesh, the devil. And what we have today is the promise that not only is it, are we going to overcome those things, but in Jesus Christ, he is already what? He's already overcome. That's the gospel. Jesus has already overcome. He's already overcome our flesh. He's already overcome the world. He's already overcome and conquered the devil. And so our responsibility is to walk in that promise and to walk in that truth each and every day. And sharing our story and sharing our testimony with each other would just encourage us all the more to understand that and to believe that. So we're going to sing one more song. And use this time as we sing. Is it going to be our closing song? Just use this time to think about the things that I've shared with you this morning, to think about maybe your story. And I want to encourage you this morning. Some of you may be in the room today and you may be saying, I don't have a testimony. I, I, I can't think about, there was never a change in my life. I don't know what my life was before Christ or after Christ because there's really no difference. Guys, that could be, I'm not saying it is, but it could be a sign that today's the day that you need to trust Jesus. Today, today could be the day that God used an old sinner like me to share my story with you so that you could come to know Jesus and be a part of this big story that everything that God has written. And so I want you to really search your heart this morning and take some time to think about what's been shared and let God just meet you right where you are as we sing this last song. Does that sound good? All right, let's go, guys. will be dismissed. Father, may you bless your people and keep us as you send us out, Lord. Help us to continue to share our story uh, with those around us and to demonstrate the love of Christ to the praise of your name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great day.